0: Wa Allah Abduhu wa Verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger uh, we'd like to begin this evening in our presentation of the hadith of the book of fasting, Kitab al-Siyam from Bulug al Maram, the book of hadith concerning the ruling, legal rulings in Islam Uh, that book that has been collected by Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, Rahimahullah where we left off in the last uh, session In in the last session we have completed hadith number 538 from the book of Siyam and we would like to continue with the following hadith uh, reminding you that our intention in the presentation of these hadith it is primarily to explain the brief basic meaning of the hadith uh, and the primary rulings, legal rulings that have been derived from those hadiths, uh, from what we have found in the books of the scholars of hadith and the scholars of fiqh, without the mention too much of the differences of opinion. However in some cases there is a need to mention the difference of opinion even if just in passing. The first hadith that we want to discuss this afternoon, there is It is hadith that is numbered five thirty nine. An Aisha radiallahu anha That Aisha Radiallahu anha she said Kana an nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو صائم وهو صائم ولكنه كان أملككم لإربه. رضي الله anha, one of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi عليه وسلم and being a wife of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم she knew about his personal matters and because of the benefit of informing about those personal matters that were known only to those in his household, because of the benefit and the need to know such for the Muslims in general, she informed the people of what has taken place in the privacy of her home. and Nabi. The prophet wasallam he used to kiss. He used to kiss his wife while he was fasting, while he was fasting. and he used to hug or hold or fondle his wife while he was fasting the prophet sallallahu used to do so however Aisha radiallahu anha she said but he was the one who had most control of his desires any yani of his sexual desires he had control of himself as long as he knew that that hugging or fondling or kissing of his wife while he was fasting wouldn't lead to something else then there's no harm in doing so in some of the narrations that are reported from Aisha أنها, it is suggested that it was her opinion that it is either not permissible or it is يعني, detestable that a person should do so and that is indicated in her words Walakin, However, the Prophet وسلم, he was the one who has the most control over his desires. Yani that, that, that which might be understood from this and as it was understood by some of the scholars is the suggestion that it is not an open permission and she was warning that the Prophet ﷺ was different than you. So those who cannot control their self and fear that it might lead to what is more than that, what is not allowed during the time of fasting, should avoid it. This hadith al hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, rahimahullah, he says, And we said that this expression, alayhi, it means that which is agreed upon as being sahih by al-imam al- al-bukhari and al-imam muslim rahimahumullah wal he said that though both of them have narrated they have agreed upon this hadith al-bukhari and muslim but the actual wording of this hadith in this narration, the wording of it is from the sahih of muslim yani that means that there is some slight difference in the wording, though the meaning is the same there is a slight difference in the wording in that case whenever two or more of the scholars have collected a hadith then if the wording is different in one of them then he will indicate that the wording here has been taken from whom here in this case it is the wording of al-imam muslim wazada fi fi ramadan and also al-imam muslim has included in a narration in another narration of this hadith he has also included the wording that this this uh, kissing or hugging that took place while he was fasting she said fi ramadan yani during the month of ramadan As I said, there is some difference of opinion concerning this hadith and what it indicates. However, what is important uh, is that there is some general agreement, even if there is difference of opinion, there is general agreement that it is not haram. It is not haram. The first ruling that has been mentioned concerning this hadith is the permissibility of kissing or hugging. It is permissible for a man who is fasting to kiss or to hug his wife with the condition that he feels safe uh, from that leading to something otherwise. That it will not, as long as he feels safe, that it will not arouse his sexual desires and lead to that which is prohibited. The second ruling which is related to the first ruling is that it is mustahab, that it is beloved or it is commendable or recommended to avoid fondling or hugging or kissing for the fasting person if they fear that it will cause the arousement of their sexual desires. The first ruling is the permissibility of doing so with the condition that a person doesn't fear that it will lead to something else. And the second ruling is related to that, that it is mustahab, it is better and it is more beloved to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that a person should avoid doing these things if they have a fear that it might lead to something else. The third ruling is the permissibility of informing about those things which a person normally would be shy of talking about to others if there is a benefit in doing so uh, in order to inform the people or to make known the truth or to make known something of the Islamic rulings in Islam. That it is permissible to talk about such things which are private matters generally if there is a benefit in doing so in order to present or to uh, make known a legal ruling in the dean. Uh There's also a lengthy discussion concerning yani, what would be the result if a person hugs or kisses their wife while they are fasting. Uh, if there's any yani, seminal emission or ejaculation as a result of that hugging or kissing, what is the ruling concerning this? And there's difference of opinion about it and there doesn't appear to be any very, very firm, uh, definite, clear proof for one opinion or the other. However, it has been mentioned here that the one who kisses his wife or hugs her and it causes uh, seminal emission, then one of the opinions of the scholars is that that person does not have to make up that day and there is no expiation for it. However, and this is the opinion of one of the scholars who has explained Balugul Muram in his book, uh, uh, the explanation of al Sheikh al-Hussein ibn Muhammad al-San'ani al-Maghribi uh, he has held this opinion that there is no tada, making up of that day and there is no expiation kafara. however uh, other scholars differed with him and from amongst them is al-Imam al-Shafi rahimahullah who said that the person has to make up for that day and al-Imam Malik rahimahullah said they have to make up for the day and they also have to uh, perform an expiation safara for the violation of the fast for that day in any case the differences of opinion here uh, there doesn't appear to be any text either in the Quran or in the clear sunnah indicating one way or another however yani, perhaps the more correct opinion uh, is that which is yani, shared similarly, similarly between Imam Shafi and Imam Malik is that indeed the person has to at least do al he yani make up the day or the violation of the fact. The next hadith, hadith number five forty, An Ibn Abbasin, رضي الله عنهما. It is reported from Abdullah Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father, أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم احتجم وهو محرم واحتجم وهو صائم رواه البخاري. يعني ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما, he narrates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was and yani he did al-hijamah, he had hijamah performed on him and yani blood letting from his body, taking some blood from his body while he was in a state of ihram, while he was muhrim and yani in a state of ihram, fahajj umrah and he also had cupping done to him yani hijamah while he was fasting while he was fasting this hadith is reported by al-Bukhari rahimahullah scholars have differed concerning the person who performed al-hijamah or cupping while he is fasting uh, and the majority, most of the scholars held the opinion that the fast is not broken by doing so. This is the opinion of the majority of the imams. And they said that this hadith, it is because this hadith uh, indicates the permissibility of doing so and the hadith which indicate its prohibition it is abrogated, it is abrogated, yani it is cancelled. The hadith which prohibits or which indicates a person's fast being nullified by hijama is the following hadith, hadith number 541. An Shaddad ibn Aws رضي الله عنه. Shaddad ibn Aws may Allah be pleased with him. He reports أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أتا على رجل بالبقيه وهو يحجم في رمضان فقال أفسر Wal والمحجوم. Yani Shaddad radiallahu anhu reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi came to a man in Al-Baqiyah Al-Baqiyah is the cemetery of the people of Medina beside the, the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He came past a man uh, by or at the place of Al-Baqiyah and that person was being cut And it was in the month of Ramadan The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said أَخْصَرَ and yani that both the one who does the cupping and the one to whom it is done, they have broken their fast. And yani this hadith has been reported by the five, meaning uh, five of those seven that Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Askarani mentioned in the introduction to the book, those five means other than Bukhari and Muslim, that is Ahmed and Ibn Majah, and nasai Al-Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood. However, he said the five except Al-Tirmidhi, that means Abu Dawood, Ibn Majah, and nasai and Ahmad. And Imam Ahmad, as well as Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hiban, declared this hadith to be Sahih. That's what the Shaykh, that's what Imam Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Askalani says, that they have declared this hadith to be Sahih. Likewise, other scholars declared it to be Sahih including Al-Imam Al-Bukhari though he didn't report it in his Sahih and Al-Imam Al-Suyuti Rahimahullah said this hadith is Mutawatir Mutawatir that means it came from a large number of chains of narration various chains of narration uh, such a large number that there is no doubt about its authenticity this hadith again it is related to the previous hadith the matter of al-hijam or cupping however in the previous hadith the indication of that hadith is that cupping does not invalidate the fast because the prophet did so while he was fasting while this hadith which is from his speech it indicates that the one who cups and the one who is cupped both of them invalidate their fast there is difference of opinion concerning this matter amongst the scholars there are those who said that as what is indicated in this hadith, that the one who cups and the one who has cups both of them, their fast is invalidated. And those scholars who held this opinion were a small group of scholars, from amongst them, Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, and those who, yani agreed with his opinion. There was another group of scholars who who held a middle opinion, that only the one who cups his fast is invalidated. As for the one who does the cupping, his fast is not invalidated, and it doesn't appear as though they have any clear proof for their opinion. While the third group said that neither the one who is cupped nor the one who is cupping, neither of them, neither of their fast is invalidated Uh, in spite of this hadith which clearly states that both the hajim and the mahjum invalidate their fast and that is because they said this hadith is abrogated. They said it is abrogated and the indication of its abrogation is the following hadith and the previous hadith. The hadith of Ibn Abbas that the Prophet وسلم was cupped while he was fasting and the following hadith of Anis ibn Malik radiAllahu anhu which clearly indicates the abrogation of this hadith of Shaddad radiAllahu uh, anhu. The following hadith which shows abrogation according to many of the scholars is the hadith, hadith number 542 on Anis ibn Malik radiAllahu anhu, لِلْصَائِمُ أَنَّ Jafa إِبْنِ Abi طَالِبٍ إِحْتَجَمَ وَهُوَ صَائِمٌ See, I mean, the first time that al-hijam or cupping for the fasting person was considered makruh, disliked or detestable, the first time that it was considered makruh was, was on the occasion when Ja'afa Ibn Abi طَالِبٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عنه, the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib he was cupped while he was fasting فَمَرَّ بِهِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ فَقَالَ the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم passed by him while he was being cut and he said these two these two both of them they have broken their fast. Then Anas رضي الله عنه says Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم made an allowance Yani a permission after it had been prohibited رخص. He gave a رُخْطَة that means something that was prohibited became allowable, became permissible. He said, رَخَّصَ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد Yani after this, he allowed it, he made it allowable for the uh, cupping of the fasting person. وَكَانَ أَنَسٌ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عنه وَهُوَ صَائِمٌ And Anas رضي anhu himself, he used to have cupping done while he was fasting. That means what he has narrated here is that originally cupping was not allowed for the fasting person and then it was abrogated a permission was given for cupping while the person is fasting and he himself used to do so that is Anas ibn Malik he used to do so so it is not only a narration that he has reported of the permission of the Prophet after it being prohibited but he has acted upon that which he has narrated and he has had cupping done to him while he was fasting this hadith has been reported by al-imam ad-Darkutni and he considered it to be qawi, a strong narration. And al-Imam at by the way, is one of the foremost scholars in the science of Ilal. Yani he is one of the foremost scholars who was proficient in identifying the hidden defects in hadith. The defects that are not obvious, that the average scholar would not detect and would not recognize. But only a few scholars have mastered this science and one of the imams of this science of Ilal it is Al-Imam al darfutni Rahimahullah and he considers this hadith to be qawi a strong hadith and likewise a report has come from uh, Al-Imam al hazimi in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al anhu, similar in meaning to the narration of Anas about yani, the permission of cupping for the fasting person and likewise that which is reported by Ibn Abi Shaiba the, the Shaykh of Al-Imam Muslim he also reported that the Prophet sallallahu rakhasa fil hijama that he has given permission for the fasting person to do al hijama uh, Al-Imam al-Darkutni said concerning this hadith and its chain of narrators he said that the narratives of this chain they are siqat, reliable narratives and he said I don't know any defect in it I don't know that there is any defect in it and therefore this hadith the narration of Anis along with the hadith of Ibn Abbas that the Prophet ﷺ that he used to do cupping while he was fasting is a proof of the abrogation of the abrogation of the hadith of Shaddad that the Prophet ﷺ said the one who cups and the one who cupped they have broken their fast. These hadiths together as a group the indications that may be derived from them is number one that al hijama or cupping does not nullify or invalidate the fast of a fasting person according to the majority of scholars. That al hijama does not nullify the fasting person's fast. And this is based on the hadith of Ibn Abbas عنهما, uh, and the hadith of Anas here under discussion which shows that those hadith are nasikh. They are abrogated of this hadith, the hadith of Shaddad, and that it is منسوخ. Uh And the proof of this and he, according to some of the scholars, those who said that uh, the hadith of Shaddad is abrogated. They said that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, that he accompanied the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the hajjah al-wada, the farewell pilgrimage. And that was in the 10th year after the hijrah, the 10th year after the hijrah, in the end of the life of the Prophet sallallahu While the hadith of Shaddad, it is from an earlier time because he accompanied the Prophet sallallahu in Fatih Mecca the conquest of Mecca which was two years earlier the eighth year after the hijrah so that means that the hadith or the narration that came later abrogate or annul the ruling that came earlier the second point is that the hadith al-shaddad radiyallahu anhu indicates that al hijama uh, nullifies the fast of the one who does the cupping and the one who it is and this is the opinion of al-Imam Ahmed and Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah uh, however some, some of the scholars who held this hadith not to be abrogated said that in considering the other hadith that it indicates that it is makruh, that it is detestable and not prohibited, not forbidden uh, that it is makruh and that it is preferable to avoid hijama while one is fasting and this is the opinion of al-imam al-shafi'i rahimahullah yani that uh, cupping while fasting is makruh, not haram and that it is better to avoid it while fasting the last point that has been mentioned is that the hadith of Anas yani this hadith under discussion it indicates that there is a rukhsah that there is a permission for hijama for the fasting person and this is one of the indications of the abrogation of the hadith of Shaddad. And we should also know that a rukhsa, it only comes after something has been prohibited. A means that something has been prohibited and now it has been allowed. So the wording of Anas in this hadith, رضي Anhu, that rukhasa al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he made a rukhsa, it means that it was something prohibited and then he has allowed it. The next hadith, Hadith number 543 عَنْ عَيْشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا أَنَّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهِ sallam وَصَلَّمْ fi فِي رَمَضَانْ وَهُوَ sa'im. She said رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used قُهُد يعني the powder that people put in their eyes يعني some for some healing or يعني some benefits that it does for the sight and some use it for beautification or for otherwise that the Prophet ﷺ applied this kuhul in Ramadan, meaning while he was fasting, وَهُوَ صَائِم saim while he was fasting. Rawa'hu ibn Majah bi zaif. قال al-Tirmidhi la في fi الباب al-bab shayun يعني الحافظ ابن حجر السناني رحمه الله. He said that this hadith has been reported by Ibn Majah, Al Imam Ibn Majah in his Sunan, رحمه الله with a chain of narrators that is da'if, is weak. And yani the chain is not an acceptable chain. What قال الترمذي, Al-Imam said concerning the hadith of Ibn Majah that there's nothing authentic in this topic, the topic of using kuhul While one is fasting, he said there's no authentic hadith narrated concerning this. However, some of the other scholars differed with them and considered that hadith to be sahih. Some amongst the contemporary scholars a shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah in his Sahih ibn Majah has declared this hadith to be Sahih. There is difference of opinion about its chain. In any case some of the scholars considered it to be weak and some considered it to be acceptable and Allah knows that. Ah. For this reason there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Some of them held that using kuhul while one is fasting is makruh And from amongst them who held this opinion was Ishaq ibn Raḥaway, Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Abdul ibn Mubarak and Sufyan al-Tawri rahimahumullah while others considered it to be permissible and from amongst them is al-imam al-Shafi rahimahullah Uh, and in any case without certifying that hadith or as long as there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars of hadith concerning it depending on if one considers it to be an authentic hadith then it is definitely permissible to do so and those who don't consider that hadith to be sahih might yani, uh, disagree and consider it not to be permissible for other reasoning. And from amongst them who considered it as makroof, yani or not permissible, uh, the evidence, one of the evidences that they use is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that is reported mu'allaqan by al-Imam al-Bukhari, mu'allaqan, that means he reported it without a complete chain of narratives, yani with an incomplete chain which means that unless there are other narrations completing that chain and showing the missing links, whether or not they are acceptable or not that hadith would be rejected, it wouldn't be sahih however, they used it as their proof and that hadith is that the one who allows anything to enter into his body uh, then that thing invalidates the fast if he tastes it, yani if there is some taste from what he puts into his body, from any means whether it is through the mouth or otherwise, uh, then as long as he tastes it, then it invalidates the fast. However, the more correct opinion concerning this hadith is that it's not sahih. From this hadith, it has been mentioned, yani one ruling that is, that using kuhul in Ramadan, it is not a nullifier of the fast. And this is the opinion of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, uh, while other scholars considered it to be makuru and some amongst them as I mentioned is Imam Ahmed and others. However, those who held that it is permissible, that it is not an invalidator of the fast, the proof that they have used which is the, which is the stronger proof of the two sides, it is al-bara'a al-baraa' al-bara'a al-akliya, al-afliya, is the principle that the scholars have mentioned, a basic principle that we can apply to many matters, and that is, that the original ruling concerning the things of this world are that they are permissible that there is no blame on somebody for using anything that is in this world unless there is a proof in the Sharia yani originally everything is permissible al baraa Al-Akhliyah it means that originally there is no blame on you for using anything that Allah has created in this world unless there is a proof in the Sharia showing that it is prohibited so they said as long as there is no Pro- prohibiting it, then al-bara'a, al-afliya indicates that it is allowed. And that is the stronger opinion, that to use alcohol while one is fasting is permissible. Just as it is permissible to use perfume or to use incense, burning incense and so on. I yani need to rinse one's mouth, to use miswak and so on, all of these things are permissible. The next hadith is the hadith number 5, 44. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من نسي وهو صائم فأكل أو شرب فليتم ثومه فإنما أطعمه الله وسقاه مستفق عليه يعني أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه the great companion of the Prophet sallallahu and the most prolific of the narrators of hadith from amongst the companions. He narrates in this hadith the saying of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu مَن Whoever forgets while he is fasting forgets that he is fasting and he ate or drank. Whoever has done so the Prophet sallallahu said Then he should complete his fast. He should continue fasting. He shouldn't stop fasting because he has eaten. Normally eating and drinking invalidates the fast. However, he said, whoever has done so, forgetfully, then he should complete his fast. Because indeed, it is Allah who has given him to eat or who has given him to drink. Mustafa Qalai is agreed upon as being Sahiba Al-Bukhari and Muslim. In the narration of al Hakim in his Mustadraq, he said, من أفطر في رمضان ناسياً فَلَا قَضَى عَلَيْهِ وَلَا كفارة وَهُوَ الصَّحِيح And it is a sahih hadith he said that whoever invalidates the fast in Ramadan forgetfully in general whoever does anything that invalidates the fast in Ramadan due to forgetfulness فَلَا قَضَى عَلَيْهِ Then he doesn't have to make it up وَلَا كَفْصَارَ And he doesn't have to expiate for it and he is free of blame from doing so on this hadith it is also sahih uh, here it is any beneficial to note that the ruling concerning forgetfulness as we mentioned in the introduction to this chapter of fasting it is the same ruling concerning the one who does so unknowingly, not knowing the ruling concerning a matter or the one who does so under compulsion, not willfully. Whoever has, uh, in general in Islam, but we are talking about fasting here, whoever has done something forgetfully not consciously and aware of it. Whoever does so unknowingly, not knowing the ruling concerning it, or whoever does something under compulsion, being forced to do so, not willingly, not desiring to do it, then there is no blame on them for such. That is in reference to the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, in in, in reference to the rights of the people, whoever has invalidated somebody's rights, or taking their rights, or destroyed their property, property due to any compulsion or unknowingly or whatever, they are still responsible to return the rights of the people. But in terms of the right, rights of Allah, there is no blame on them. From this hadith, we understand that eating and drinking, and we can add to that sexual relations, that eating and drinking, as well as sexual relations or the other nullifiers of the fast, for the person who does so forgetfully, it does not invalidate the fast. Uh, and the person who is fasting, yani, he remains fasting, he is still in a condition of fasting and there is no need for him to make up for that fast according to al-jamboor or the majority of the scholars. Another opinion which is a weak opinion is that it breaks his fast and that opinion is and it baseless in terms of evidence from the Qur'an or the Sunnah. The second ruling from this, this hadith is that there is no difference between forgetfulness the one who eats or drinks forgetfully while fasting, there's no difference between that fast if it is obligatory fast or voluntary fast. Whoever eats or drinks forgetfully, then they may complete their fast. As soon as they remember, they should stop and their fast is perfect and complete. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who, is, who has given them to eat or to drink. The next hadith, hadith number 545, on Abi Hurairah, qala qala صلى الله عليه وسلم من ذرعه القيع فلا قضاء عليه ومن استقاع فعليه القضاء رواه الخمسة وعله أحمد بقواه الذركتني يعني this hadith in this hadith Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه he mentions that the Muslim of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that whoever vomits يعني unwillfully يعني against their will يعني that 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 action which they have no control over فَلَا قَضَاءَ عَلَيْهِ then he doesn't have to make up for that day it doesn't invalidate the fast وَمَنْ اِسْتَقَاءَ but whoever seeks this who caused it to happen to himself vomiting and he does that which causes something to come up from his stomach فَعَلَيْهِ الْقَضَاءَ then he has to then this is a violation of the fast therefore he has to make up for that day this hadith has been reported by Al-Khamsa that means Al-Imam Ahmed in his Musnad Abu Dawood al tirmidhi ibn Majah, al-Nasa'i and, and Al-Imam Ahmed considered that hadith to be defective he considered it to have a defect while Al-Imam al considered the hadith to be قوي and yani a strong hadith and likewise amongst the scholars who considered this hadith to be Sahih is al hakim in his Musnad. he declared that hadith to be Sahih and Al-Imam al-Zahabi in his checking of the Musadraq agreed with Al-Hakam saying that that hadith is Sahih and from amongst the contemporary scholars Sheikh shaykh al Zani, Rahimahullah, Allah has declared it also to be Sahih and the strongest opinion concerning this hadith is that it is Sahih and therefore vomiting unwillfully it doesn't invalidate the fast, while one who does so willfully invalidates the fast. the ruling from this hadith is that which is clear uh, that vomiting, like the previous discussion, hijama, uh, it doesn't invalidate the person's fast. As for the one who does so willingly, and who seeks to make something to come up from his stomach by his own choice, while he is fasting, then this invalidates the fast. Uh, as Al-Imam ibn Munzir said, it is by ijma', yani, that there's ijma' in this, that whoever does so willfully, that it invalidates the fast. The next hadith, Hadith <laughs> number 546 عَنْ جَابِرْ إِبْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا جَابِرْ إِبْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ May Allah be pleased with him and his father He narrated أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج عام الفتح إلى مكة في رمضان بأن of الله صلى الله عليه وسلم He went out he traveled, he departed in the year of the fet, the year of the conquest of Mecca he went to Mecca in Ramadan it was in the month of Ramadan فَصَامَ حَتْهَا بَلَغَ قُرَاءَ الْغَمِيمِ فَصَامَ النَّاسُ the Prophet it was in Ramadan and he was fasting until he reached the place called al الْغَمِيمِ he was fasting and the people were fasting بَقَدَحٍ مِنْ مَاءٍ فَرَفَعُهُ حَتَّى نَظَرَ النَّاسُ إِلَيْهِ ثُمَّ الشربة. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وَسَلَّمَ he called for a cup of water at that point when he reached that place, and he raised it up. He raised it up until the people looked at it, and the people saw what he had in his hand, and then he drank from it. He drank in this way to show the people that he was breaking his fast. فَقِيلَ لَهُ بَعَدَ ذَلِكَ it was said to him after this إِنَّ بَعْدَ النَّاسِ قَدْ صام. it was said to him that some of the people are still fasting they have continued fasting they have not followed your example فَقَالَ أُولَٰئِكَ الْأُصَاتِ he said that these those who continue fasting are the disobedient ones These are the disobedient ones. And obviously the Prophet ﷺ has broken his fast for some reason. And he showed the people that he was breaking his fast in order to instruct them that they should also do so. For that reason, those who didn't follow his example, he said these are the disobedient ones. Those are the disobedient ones. وَفِي لَفْذٍ سَقِيلَةٍ In another narration of this hadith, it is mentioned إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ شَقَّ عَلَيْهِمْ أَسْتِيَامُ وَإِنَّمَا ينتظرون فيما فَعَلْتَ مِّنْ مَعٍ بَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ فَشَرِبَ رَوَّاهُ مُسْلَمٌ Yani in this narration of the hadith it is clear why the Prophet ﷺ has broken his fast. It is out of his mercy for his companions. It is said in this narration that some of the people have found difficulty in this fasting. It is difficult his heart and they are traveling and there's hardship on him. Some of the people found it difficult to continue fasting and they are waiting to see what you will do. They are waiting to see will you continue fasting or not. If the Prophet ﷺ would break his fast it would be a mercy for them because then they also would break their fast. So the Prophet ﷺ out of mercy for them knowing that it was a hardship on the people he has done this. He has broken his fast in front of the people so that those who are finding difficulty would also break their fast. So he took a cup of water and after the Asr, he drank from it. This hadith is reported by Imam Muslim. (coughs) There's also differences of opinion concerning this hadith, and there's no need to go into the details of the difference. However, basically there are those who said that breaking the fast while traveling in every situation is preferable. And if the person who is fasting while traveling, it is better for them than to fast, it is better to break their fast. A second opinion is those who said that fasting, even while one is traveling, that it is preferable. And they claimed that this was the more common practice of the Prophet ﷺ, that usually he used to fast even if he was traveling. The third opinion is those who said that fasting or breaking the fast, that these two situations are equal neither of them is preferable to the other and that is what is indicated in another hadith of the Prophet in which it is reported they said that we were traveling with the Messenger of Allah the one who was fasting didn't criticize the one who broke his fast nor did the one who broke his fast criticize the one who was fasting that means that Neither of them blamed or criticized the other. Whoever fasted, whoever wills to fast, fasted and there is no blame on him. And whoever wills to break his fast, it is permissible and there is no blame on him. In this, from this hadith, the third opinion is based upon it that fasting or not breaking the fast is up to the individual and it is equal. Uh, here a number of uh, points have been mentioned. The first of them is the permissibility of breaking one's fast during the daytime in Ramadan if one is traveling. And it is permissible for the traveller to break their fast during the daylight hours due to traveling. Even if they have fasted most of the day. And the Prophet ﷺ in the narration of Imam Muslim in the second narration, it is reported that he broke his fast after the Asr. That means he has fasted from Fajr time until Asr and he has broken the fast. So, the one who is traveling, it is permissible to break their fast during the daytime due to traveling. It is permissible for them, even if they have fasted most of the day. And likewise, the one who fasts while he is traveling, according to the majority of scholars, his fast is legitimate and he is given credit for it. It is permissible for him to fast. The second ruling, that whoever has begun his traveling in the middle of the day in Ramadan, in the middle of the day he started traveling while he was fasting. In the beginning of the day he was resident and he began his fast and then during the day he began to travel while he was fasting. Some of the scholars, and this is the opinion of the majority, they held that it is not permissible for him to break his fast. It is not permissible. That was the opinion of the majority of scholars. However, from the obvious meaning of the hadith, uh, it appears as though it is permissible for them to break their fast and for that reason some of the scholars including Al-Imam Ahmed and Al-Imam Ishaq ibn Rahoway Rahimahum Allah, held that it is permissible based on the obvious meaning of this hadith uh, that it is permissible for them for, the one, for that one to break their fast if they have started traveling during the day though they have begun their fast yani, while they were resident The next uh, point Uh, Some of the scholars held that it it is preferable to fast while traveling for the one who is able to do so without any difficulty. And whoever is able to fast without difficulty, there is no hardship on them, then fasting while traveling, it is preferable. Of course, this is primarily in reference to those who are fasting the obligatory fast in Ramadan. Because of the ayat that fasting is better for you, if you only know. Fasting is better for you, here they said even if you are traveling, if there is no hardship in that fast while you are traveling as long as there is no hardship and there is no harm. And this is the opinion of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and Al-Imam Shafi'i. Rahimahumullah. However, they said that if there is harm from it, then breaking the fast is preferable. If there har- is some harm from it. The other opinion is the opinion of Al-Imam Ahmed who he held that breaking the fast is preferable in every case or situation and whoever is traveling they should break their fast while it has been said a third opinion uh, which we hinted at or alluded to that is the opinion in the hadith that those who are fasting didn't criticize those who broke their fast nor those who broke their fast criticize those who are fasting that breaking the fast or keeping the fast they are equal neither of them is preferable to the other the next point is that it is obligatory for the fasting person to break their fast. If the Imam or the Amir or the leader of the Muslims have ordered him to do so for some benefit, for some particular reason, as in the case where the Prophet sallallahu الله عليه ordered those who were approaching Mecca on the time of the conquest of Mecca to break their fast, so that they would not be weak when they met the enemy. If the Imam orders the people to break their fast, then it is obligatory on them to break their fast in that situation, even if it is obligatory fast. And the last point, that it is, we may also understand from this hadith, it is an indirect point, that it is expected that the Imam or the leader of the Muslim should be lenient and easy and compassionate to those under his care, those under his authority. And the Prophet ﷺ has shown this, in breaking his fast, out of compassion for those who are finding difficulty and this is a general rule that the leader should be compassionate and should be lenient and easy with those under their care Amen. the next hadith hadith number 547 from ibn amr al-aslami <laughs> anhu ya إِنِّي أَجِدُ فِيَّ قُوَّةً عَلَى الصِّيَامِ فِي فَهَلْ عَلَيَّ جُنَاحٌ إِبْنِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عنه he said that he said yeah, O oh Messenger of Allah verily I find that I have strength and I have the ability to fast while I'm traveling I find no difficulty, no hardship in fasting while I'm traveling فَهَلْ عَلَيَّ جُنَاحٌ so is there any sin Against me, is there any blame? If I fast while I am traveling, is there any harm in fasting while traveling, as long as I am strong and I am able to do so? فَقَالَ The Prophet, صلى الله عليه in this answer to Hamza, he said that breaking the fast while traveling is a rukhsah. It is a rukhsah, it is a permission from Allah. No? It is a rukhsah from Allah. So whoever takes it, whoever takes that permission, whoever takes advantage of it and acts on that rukhsah, then it is good. Whoever does so has done well. But whoever desires or prefers to fast while they are traveling, fala Then there is no blame on him. There is no blame. It is not sinful there's no harm in doing so. And this is the proof against those who claim that it is not permissible. As one of the brothers, a doctor, uh, a week or so ago, there was a lecture at, uh, at one of the clubs for the Qatar Petroleum. And after the lecture, one of the doctors came to me and told me that uh, it's not permissible to fast while you're traveling. It's not allowed. And this hadith is the proof against that. The Prophet was asked directly is there any blame on me if i fast while i'm travelling while i find the ability to do so i am strong i have no difficulty he said it is a rukhsah from allah it is a permission if you take it it is fine it is good and if you prefer to fast while travelling there's no blame on you it's permissible muslim min hadith aisha hamza رواه مسلم و في المتفق عليه من حديث عائشه ان حمزه ابن عمر ساله يعني this حديث is reported by Muslim يعني this particular wording, this narration is reported by عنا مسلم نعم صحيح نعم 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 it is reported by Al-Imam Muslim and the article of it, or its basic meaning the basic meaning of this hadith is found in that which is beautiful and the Al-Bukhari and muslim from the hadith of Aisha who said that Hamza ibn Amr anhu, had asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this question From this hadith uh, we know that the Musafir or the traveler is Mukhayla that he has a choice, the one who is travelling has the choice, it is his choice, either to fast or to break the fast. That means that whether he fasts or not it is left to him to do as he wills. Also the permissibility of fasting continuously, regularly, with the condition that it doesn't cause the body to become weak, nor that any right or obligation on that person is neglected due to his fasting. And also that the person doesn't fast on the two days of age, evil and evil Abha or in the days of Tashirik, again Tashirik during Hajj for the people who are in Hajj, yani exclusively for those who are in Hajj and this is yani, the opinion of some of the scholars yani, of Hadith that from this Hadith it is understood that as long as the Prophet allows that person to fast while he was traveling then obviously there is no prohibition to fast while you are resident there is no prohibition, therefore all of fast, residents are traveling continuously there is no harm on them insha'Allah as long as they don't fast on the days of Eid or those days that are prohibited for fasting and it doesn't cause them continuous fasting, it doesn't cause them to neglect some obligation that is upon them or the rights that others have over them. Last uh, hmm. so hadith that we can take, it is hadith number 548 an Ibn Abbasin radiyallahu anhumah That Ibn Abbas, abd ibn Abbas May Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said Rukhisa lishayhi al That permission has been given For the elderly person and yufira wa yufa'ima an kulliyo min miskeena Wala qada'a alayhi Permission has been given to the elderly person And during Ramadan during the obligatory fast Permission has been given for that person to break their fast and to feed for every day that they didn't fast to feed a poor person and according to the correct opinion of the scholars a poor person from amongst the Muslims alayhi, and there is no obligation for him to make up for that fast The elderly person or whoever is allowed to break their fast in this same situation elderly men or elderly women and also included amongst them is the pregnant women and breastfeeding women according to the narrations of Abdul ibn umar Abdul abbas Radiallahu anhum and if that person they are allowed to break their fast it is permissible as if they find difficulty in fasting it is permissible to break their fast and they have to feed one poor person for every day that they don't fast and it is not necessary for them to make up for that day Yani both of them Al-Darqatni uh, and Al-Hakim, they have declared this hadith to be Sahih. Uh, from this, from this uh, hadith, the first point that is mentioned is that in the beginning when fasting was first legislated, the Muslims When fasting was first legislated the Muslims were given the choice between fasting or to break their fast while performing the fidya. Yani feeding a poor person. That was when fasting was first made obligatory. And then it was abrogated. And then that morning, that choice for everyone was abrogated. Yani it was only remaining for certain class of people uh, according to the ayat قَعَلُوا الَّذِينَ يُسِيقُونَهُ فِضْيَةٌ Yani that ibn Abbas said that it was remaining for the elderly men and the elderly women and in other narrations Abdullah ibn Umar and Abdullah ibn Abbas and others made it clear that the Prophet has also included in this ruling Yani, that the fidyah for expiation of feeding a poor person is for everyone who finds difficulty in fasting from amongst the elderly as well as the pregnant and breastfeeding women or those who sickness they do not expect recovery from it the second point is permissibility of breaking the fast for the elderly man and the elderly women if they find difficulty in fasting and also the sick person who doesn't expect to recover from their sickness. And if the sickness is something that they expect to recover from, then they will make up the days later. But that person who doesn't expect to recover from their sickness, then they may see a poor person for every day they don't fast. And this is according to the majority of the scholars. The third and final point that he mentioned is that the hamil, the pregnant women and the breastfeeding women that both of them are also allowed to break their fast and they do not have to make up the day and this is according to narration from Abdul ibn Abbas and Abdul ibn Omar This is the more correct opinion that the pregnant women or the breastfeeding women who find difficulty in fasting that it is not obligatory on them uh, to fast, they may break their fast and it is not obligatory on them to make up those days which they have missed But it is merely necessary for them to feed a poor person for every day And these narrations we mentioned in the introduction to the topic of fasting in the beginning of these discussions Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astadfruka wa atubu I think there's a few moments remaining uh, If there's any comments or questions or corrections of uh, what has been said inshallah. Just somebody pay attention to the time so that we can go down at least one minute before the advance to break out fast. Now is there any comments or any question? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Alcohol based aftershave. Is it allowed? I don't know. Uh, the use of alcohol, there is a difference of opinion in general about the use of alcohol. Some of the scholars hold that alcohol is negative, that it is impure, and therefore a Muslim is not allowed to use it. And others hold that it is not impure, especially if its condition has been changed, and if some chemical process has taken place and it has been used in some other uh, uh, entity, and it is not uh, alcohol anymore, then they said there is no harm in using it. Allah uh, this uh, issue is I mean, something that I don't know what is the clearer or the more stronger opinion concerning it. Uh, so I mean, whoever has doubt about it should leave it. Whoever has doubt about it should leave it. The Prophet said, ilama Leave that which is doubtful for that which is not doubtful. And he also said that the halal is clear and the haram is clear between them a doubtful matters about which not people know so whoever avoids the doubtful matters, avoids that which is haram so, and if we are not sure about it, it's better to leave it now uh, I don't know who is asking first let me take your sister's question Salam One, one, one. No, no. Okay. I mean the sister is asked about, uh, is it three meals or one meal that the person who breaks their fast has to give to a poor person? It is one meal. And in the end of his life when he was elderly and he was unable to fast, he used to collect 30 people at the end of Ramadan and he used to prepare some food and he used to let them eat their fill yani one meal, they ate as much as they want and that was sufficient for the 30 days which he did not fast therefore what is sufficient is one meal not three while fasting, do they have to remove it or swallow it? Allahu <laughs> I don't know. But uh, there is an authentic hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu said that if a person hears the adhan for Fajr while they have some food or drink in their hand that they may take, they may fulfill their need that is eat what is in their hand. They don't have to stop eating that which is in their hand they may eat it or they may drink it. And that hadith is sahih. Allahu no. Uh, during? Is it permissible for someone to fast during Umrah? No, it is permissible to fast during Umrah as well as during Hajj. No. no. Just one move. No. Ah, uh, hold one move. Didn't answer the brother's question. Uh drawing blood. I yani, uh, is it the same as cupping? Some of the scholars who hold that cupping invalidates the fast, those who hold that it does invalidate the fast, and that is the opinion of the Hanbali Madhab, uh, from amongst the contemporary scholars, there are some like Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al who said that cupping invalidates the fast. However, if the blood that is drawn is a small amount, such that it doesn't weaken the body and because some of the scholars said the reason for the prohibition and they understood that the reason for the prohibition of cupping is that it may cause the body to become weak and therefore the person may be forced to break their fast. So some of them said if the blood that is taken is a small amount and it doesn't affect the body then it's not equal to cupping and therefore it's not prohibited. But as for those who said that cupping doesn't invalidate the fast then obviously drawing blood doesn't invalidate the fast. And there doesn't appear to be any proof that growing blood uh, invalidates the test, Except for those who hold that cupping invalidates the fat. That is their reasoning, if it is a large amount then it's like cupping, therefore it's invalid. Now, injections. Injections are allowed according to the best opinion of the scholars as long as it's not nutritional injection. As long as it's not used as a replacement for food and drink. Then it is al-A'ad, and Allah knows best.